is the Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 136, operating on the 4th of July, 2022. This is Drew and I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Doug. We're two Av geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and traveling enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Happy 4th of July to all of our American listeners. Where in the world is Doug? So he is in a nondescript room, not on this side of the world. He's in Asia. So stay tuned because there's a crazy story coming. Yeah, and I apologize about my sound quality because we'll, we'll get to it here in just a sec. But happy 4th of July, everyone. While most of you are barbecuing and planning your fireworks viewing this evening, most of us are working because aviation doesn't stop for the holidays. But first, Drew, we made it 135 episodes without having to re-record. I'd say that's a pretty good record. That's a pretty good record. That's better than most of these uh, airlines, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, you know, we're not perfect, although we're very close to being perfect. Our completion rate, if we look at it, it would be in the 99.5 something 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 percent it would sadly that straight came to a close this week we recorded an amazing episode yesterday with our buddy matt the previous airline employee lounge agent and now travel agent unfortunately due to some technical difficulties on multiple ends matt's portion only recorded eight seconds he couldn't make the re-record time so we're booting him to next week you know the fun part is that was a fun episode we're just going to get to do it means it we get to do it again yeah. <laughs> Before we get to where you are and why and your crazy trip, you have a funny chariot story for us? I do. And I, when we rewrote this episode, and by rewrote, I mean like 10 minutes ago, we just quickly <laughs> took Matt's parts out and jammed some things Sorry, in. <laughs> we talked about some, some funny stuff when we recorded yesterday that I want to cover again be, before we get into this crazy trip that I'm on. You know... All the listeners know my disdain for the CRJ 200. And it, this was fitting that something happened with the CRJ 200. And actually, I'm glad we're re recording you because I left out a small portion of it yesterday. We were leaving Chicago the other day and we were like number seven in line for takeoff. We were on with Tower at this point and we were sitting behind a CRJ 200. I, I think it was SkyWest. And I was, at this point, checklists are done. We're just waiting to get cleared for takeoff. So I'm just an av geek. I'm watching airplanes take (laughs) off. I'm just enjoying Mm -hmm. myself until the the craziness with the takeoff starts. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at the CRJ 200 in front of us, and I realize that my eye point is actually above the the top of the tail, meaning Uh that where I sat in the cockpit, we were higher than the entire airplane of the CRJ 200. <laughs> uh-huh. As my mind is wandering, thinking about this, all of a sudden Tower calls us and says, our call sign, you're cleared for takeoff to eight right. And the CRJ 200 is still sitting in front of us. And I called Tower. I was like, hey, there's a CRJ 200 still in front of us. And Tower started laughing on frequency and they said, oh, that's right. Yeah, I didn't clear them yet. I can't see them. Behind you guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so at, at this point, every every single radio call for the next like two or three minutes until we got switched to departure, everyone was laughing because they, you know, there was the CRJ two hundred laughing. They were laughing. Okay. Yes, and and they knew that we were behind us. And you were so laughing. I, I can only them, imagine. You were laughing with. I can only. Them. Yes, I can only imagine what the conversation was <laughs> in their cockpit. But it's it's really funny because we we've talked about in the past how. Airports are going to this this ADSB 
which is a broadcast system where we turn our transponder on on the ground and they can see us. A lot of places haven't actually gone to that technology yet. It's it's not live. They're still using these paper strips that they move. Yeah. Once it goes, once this technology goes live everywhere, they'll just be able to look at the ground radar and see that there's a CRJ two hundred. You know, in Doug, front of I, us. I can't believe they don't have ground radar to see that now. We have it. I think I, so. I think that ground does as okay. ground is talking to us and we're taxiing around with ground. But once we got on that taxiway and we were in the queue, yeah, ground pushed us over to tower. Or no, I, I think we just even auto switched to tower okay. at that point because there, there's nothing the ground could do for us. So I'm wondering if tower doesn't have that visibility yet. Yeah, or maybe the plane's ADSB wasn't transmitting, or there's something, Could've you know, been. some interference. Because sometimes, I mean, mm-hmm. we will see that where we're looking for a certain plane and we cannot find it. So we'll switch between different systems. It's like, oh, I see it on here. Is that, that yeah. It, it was funny, and it was ironic that it was a CRJ 200. As the listeners know, <laughs> I, I love in air quotes the, the CRJ 200. <laughs> Doug calls it the Satan's chariot, which we have shortened to chariot which sounds much more respectful. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Final thing from that trip. And I I don't want to belabor this issue, but a a lot has been said in the media recently about airlines and their operational shortcomings that that are happening right now. A lot of the airline leadership is saying part of it is due to ATC issues. And I've, I've seen a lot on social media, mainly just people, naysayers on social media, passengers, et cetera, saying, come on, guys, don't blame this all on ATC. Granted, there, there is a lot that goes into it. You can't blame everything on ATC. No. We were flying, we were supposed to go through Salt Lake Center the other day, and we got a reroute very early in the flight that took us out of Salt Lake Center. And the reason that, I think we were talking to Cleveland at the time, or maybe Chicago, the reason that was given to us was because Salt Lake Center had ATC staffing issues, hmm. which meant we were delayed getting into San Francisco because we had to take a longer route. Wow. We had to work with dispatch, make sure that we had the fuel and everything. So that this really is actually the ATC issues really are impacting airline operations right now. Oh, yeah, Doug, every day over the Jacksonville Center, which is uh, the airspace over f- most of Florida, we have delays through there almost every day. And it is yeah. a combination of staffing and weather. Mm-hmm. Just like we're, we're not trying to make we're not trying to make excuses for for certain things, but ATC definitely does play a role with well, some of the airline issues right now. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you a story where everything p- plays a role. And you know, the airlines are getting a bad rap. Probably, you know, we probably overextended and probably offered more flights than we could handle. We're probably overly ambitious as an industry because there's so much demand, and we want to be able to to recover from COVID, right? We lost a lot of money during COVID and now we have people mm-hmm. willing to fly and we have a problem saying no sometimes. <laughs> so yep. you'll see airlines reducing their schedules to have a more viable schedule that we can operate. Everything you were talking about ATC. So that's a factor. Weather is a factor. We had a triple seven going to Denver, which was delayed because of an aircraft out of service. So we have to juggle we have to get these people to Denver. It's about 300 people. So we got another plane. This was a flight on the noon bank. So we're turning this flight off a Barcelona arrival, which is one of the European arrivals, comes in around three something. So now it's delayed till about five o'clock because it takes about an hour and a half to two hours to turn to triple seven. That's fine. We have a plan. Another problem, we don't have a first officer. Everyone knows everyone's short on crews, which your story is going to mm-hmm. explain in vivid detail. 
we don't have a first officer. They find a first officer. They're coming from Newark. Great. So we're set. We can still do a five or six o'clock departure. That flight from Newark is delayed because we have weather issues and ATC issues. Not the first officer's fault. Finally gets here. I go to the gate to make sure the first officer knows where to go because now we're running out of time. The CCO time, which is the crew critical off. This is the time, Doug, where you have to be off the ground or you can't fly anymore. The flight's going to be canceled. And this is this is an FAA and company thing that we monitor. We don't even want them to get close to that. So here we are. Now it's uh, 9.20 and the first officer is arriving from Newark. I go up to the gate to see if he wants a ride. It's not that far. It's from gate eight to 19 to 8. So I see him. It's a young guy, really young. And I'm like, are you old enough to fly a 777, dude? <laughs> Can, can I can I add something yes. real quickly on that? <laughs> yesterday, I, I got to the airplane, and multiple times the flight attendants on the flight that I was on yesterday <laughs> made comments about how young I looked. And yeah. one of them goes, "Did your mom allow you to come on this trip?" <laughs> <laughs> and all I could think about was you talking about that young triple seven fo, and I was like, "I cannot wait to tell Drew this." No, but the the guy comes off, and he's motivated like you because you're new and excited to fly triple seven. He comes off, and I'm like, "I don't have I I can tell right." now. I don't have to give this guy a ride. He is motivated. He was on a mission to get to his next flight. I'm like, all right, so you have to go over there. It's right there. It's not that far. Are you good? He's like, yeah, I'm good. This is the one whose CCO is 1004. It's not even the captain. It's this first officer. He's So this flight is relying on him to get in there, do his pre-flight so that we can get these people to Denver. And I'm like, you're good, right? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so when I got down and I told uh, my employees about how young the first officer was, I was like, yeah, but he's okay. He's motivated. He's on the plane already doing his stuff. And then they're joking. It's like, was he like, okay, yeah, I'm good. Can you tell me where the takeoff button is just real quick? (laughs) (laughs) But no, dude, the the guy gets on and I see him get on and then we're watching the jetway. Why isn't the jetway coming off? Apparently there had been one more fuel uplift recently because of the weather between Washington and Denver, which everyone knows is thunderstorms this summer. So I'm like, oh my goodness. So, but the fueler is unhooking. You guys are screaming toward a brick wall. We are right screaming. Now. <laughs> yeah, we're screaming towards a brick wall that says 1004 on it. <laughs> <laughs> so the fuelers come off. I see the canopy go up on the jetway. I'm like, oh my goodness. So this is too close for comfort, but we still have 24 minutes. So now I'm like, all right, I'm you know, you know that gif with uh the person looking at some kind of board, some transparent board with all kinds of formulas. And he's looking around. Mathematical you know, equations. Mathematical <laughs> equations. That's Confusion. me right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. And like, okay, what else? What else? I have a zone manager watching it, but I'm going to have to take responsibility if this thing doesn't go for something that we are responsible for. So I'm like, all right, what? Catering. Catering is good. Feeling is now good. Jetway is coming off. I'm like, oh, flight plan. <laughs> I go over to the black phone, which is goes, which is a direct line to the FAA. And it's like, hey, this is Drew flight to Denver. Do you still have the flight plan? And they're like, uh, they're asking each other because, you know, there's like a slip, which indicates that the paper strips that we just talked about the paper strips, which you just talked about. They're looking for the, you know, it is so archaic. (laughs) The more I think about it, right? It really is. Yeah. Someone finds the strip, hopefully not in a trash in the trash, but they they never never called in for their flight plan. Yeah. We'll just toss this. (laughs) Yeah. No way. I mean, they've forgotten about this flight. Well, because normally it's two hours. The flight plan drops out of the system after two hours, unless dispatch or the pilots call and ask to keep it in the system. Right. So and thank you, you. You said this. You said this flight was originally supposed to take off at three. 
Uh, no, it's supposed to take off around the noon bank, and now it's close or, to oh, noon. oh yeah, yeah. It, my my guess is the dispatcher had to just keep refiling to keep it right. open. So thankfully, mm-hmm. the dispatcher had refiled it. Not to say that this doesn't happen sometimes where they forget, so we have to call them and then they re- they refile pretty quickly. But that's you know every minute counts right now. So thankfully, they have the flight plan. So I'm like, okay, good. I go back and I'm watching the camera and the jetway is starting to move back. It gets stuck. <laughs> the jetway gets stuck. And I'm like, this cannot be happening. Now it's like 945. So we get building maintenance up there. They're able to rejigger it so that we can get it moved to the parking spot. Plane pushes back and I'm watching this and the clock is ticking. And I'm watching this and I'm like, wow, they're really motivated because I see them doing stuff very quickly. I see the rudder moving. I see the the tail plane moving. I see the ailerons. So they're doing their pre-flight checks very quickly. And Doug, I got to tell you, to do the checks on my Piper Warrior, I really want an hour. <laughs> because, you know, right? Because there's so much yeah. stuff. And this is a triple seven with this guy that's barely old enough to drink who's, you know, doing the pre-flight. <laughs> And you guys, I'm just kidding. He's probably way older than he looks, and I'm sure he's very well qualified. I have no doubt in that. So we're just joking. But anyway, starts taxiing like a banshee, like a like a cat out of hell, <laughs> like a bat out of hell. <laughs> a cat out of hell? <laughs> okay, I don't like know. Cold, cold fish? <laughs> <laughs> like a cold fish. So <laughs> starts taxiing really fast. It's, the runway is really not that far. It's like 10 o'clock now, and he turns on to the runway. It is 10.03, one minute before CCO, and they take off. And that is the most beautiful sound in the world, hearing those engines. The runway is about half a mile away from our office, but we all... And you could hear it. Nothing else was going on. This was the only show yeah. in town. And we hear it, and I'm like, we were seconds from disaster, <laughs> meaning we almost had a cancellation. Because where am I going to find a crew in the middle of the night? Just to give you an example, I'll tell you where you're. I'll, I'll tell you where you're going to find a crew in the middle of the night. San Francisco from Sacramento. Me <laughs> <laughs> or someone like you. There was someone like me sitting at home waiting for that that red phone to ring, <laughs> the emergency phone. Yeah. So whatever you think you're thinking about the airlines and blaming them, I want you to think about that story because that story is playing itself out in different forms at every airline in every city because we have limited resources, limited planes, and limited crews, but we are holding it together. Thanks Mm -hmm. to everyone working together. You have another story about everyone working together. Yeah, I do have another story about everyone working together. I texted you this the other day and and you're asking some questions about it. I got this message from my mom. She was visiting us and was flying home on our airline she was at the gate in Sacramento and she texted and said, the captain is standing at the gate thanking everyone for flying on today's flight. Everyone clapped when he finished. Wow. We talk about with NPS, net promoter score. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what drives the NPS higher than almost anything? The pilots keeping it's the customers the pilots advised. Advised and just talking to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the fact that my mom, who doesn't fly her airline all that often, was moved by this and, and that all 100, however many passengers were at the gate were also moved by it and clapped. It, it's a simple thing. The captain just stood up there and said, thanks for flying with us today. And people clapped that to me, that's awesome. Like I, that, that just makes me feel good being part of something. Now that flight was on time, right? I, yeah, it was. Could it be that they're, they've read all these news stories and they've watched, you know, TV and all this bad news and the flights on time. And he's the captain's telling you, 
and they're like relieved. <laughs> Could that be? Because <laughs> <laughs> people she are concerned. The details. I'm yeah. telling you, everyone who's about to travel is concerned. Our buddy Nate is a, is going to travel from Dallas to Seattle. This is almost two months from now. The guy's freaking out. And he was worried two months ticket. ago. He was worried two months ago. And he, it's, yeah, four months out, he started worrying. Right. All right. So speaking about everyone working to make things happen and everyone working to save the day, you saved the day for 371 people going to Taiwan. What happened yesterday? Or you're probably not even sure when that was. It was about a day ago. It was a whirlwind. I'm I'm going to walk through, I'll say minute by minute. Don't worry, I'm not going to walk through every minute of the last 24 hours. But we, we kind of have to cover this from a time frame standpoint. Yeah. First of all, what, what I messaged you guys last night on our group text, let me let me pull this up because I, I think it's, it really Can I tell people where you are while last, you look, check that? Yeah, it really sums up what the last 24 hours were like. Doug is in Taipei, Taiwan, which I would think... When I heard about this, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's going to be fabulous. I've heard great things about Taipei. You're going to have awesome food. The people are great. I uh, was uh, mistaken as to what a trip to Taipei looks like. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that after I talk about the trip. But I, I texted you guys and I also texted Marissa and my parents and I said, just landed. It's been a whirlwind of a day. I'm having a hard time comprehending the last 16 hours in my mind. I'm still doing yard work in the garage <laughs> or still sitting in the garage after doing yard work. And, and we'll, we'll get into why my mind just could not catch up to what was actually happening. I was sitting at home. I was on short call yesterday, which means, and, and actually this is a great story to our listeners and to customers to understand what it takes sometimes to get flights out the door and to get you That's to your destination. Crazy. And when you get upset that you might be an hour late, this is some of what happens in the background. I was on short call yesterday, which means I had if if the phone rings, I have to get to the airport within two and a half hours to cover something. Crew scheduling called me at twelve fifty three p.m. and told me that I was on a trip to Taipei with a twelve thirty five p.m. showtime, which was eighteen minutes prior <laughs> to when to when they called me. Yeah. and I said, "Yeah, that was eighteen minutes ago." <laughs> they're like, "Yes, we we understand. How quickly can you get to the airport?" I said, "I can pro I, I can be to the airport in ninety minutes." Because it's Taipei, I have to do pre-COVID, pre-departure COVID testing. Yeah. That'll add probably 20 minutes. I would say I could probably be to the gate in two and a half hours. Just just a, a conservative estimate. You're about a 90-minute drive away. In Yeah, it, it, it can be less than 90 minutes. Usually I say 90 minutes based on traffic conditions. I was able to make it a little bit quicker than that yesterday, luckily. But Drew, I, I got from my yard work clothes into uniform and on the road in 10 minutes wow because you had everything I, I walked i walked in the door and i yelled marissa i'm leaving i'm going to taipei and she, she was really helpful she said what do you mm -hmm. need i said get me a coffee please <laughs> and then i'm gonna hit the road and because uh -huh. i was on short call because i knew this could possibly happen i already had my bags in the right car. you told me get to the airport do the testing comes out negative go through security. I get to the gate. Anyone who's been to San Francisco, the international gates there, there's the escalator that goes down. I rounded the corner. I knew that everyone was on board just waiting for me. And the gate agents started clapping as I rounded the corner from the escalator and walked <laughs> a lot of clapping gate. just for a flight to leave. <laughs> exactly. And I'm sweating and they're like, mm -hmm. take a breather. We're like, it's okay. Breathe for a second. Then mm -hmm. you can go on board. I get on board and the flight attendants, I, I felt like some, 
long lost survivor from like a shipwreck or something. Or something. We're like, yeah, we're like, like the rowboat in the island, and everyone's like, "Yes, you're finally here!" Right now on the aisle, the flight attendant's like, "Yes, you're here, you're here." Get get in the flight deck. Get strapped in. The captain and the two other FOs had already done everything. Oh, so no we're, walk around. No, everything was done. Awesome. Like at, literally everything was done. I sat down in the seat, buckled in, and we pushed back. I mean, no that's way. How fast. That's how fast it happened. Was, was that a little unnerving though? Because you didn't have time to sit and go through any charts or flight plans. I or... was no. I, I was supposed to be the flying first officer on, okay. on a trip of this length. It was a thirteen-hour flight, roughly a thirteen-hour flight. On a trip of this length, there are four pilots on board. Two of them are what what are called IROs or international reserve officers. Those are the two people who fly in the middle of the flight while the okay. um, captain and the flying FO who did the takeoff and will do the landing are getting their rest. We're, we're the people who fly the mid portion of the flight. I was supposed to be the flying FO and the captain called me while I was driving. First of all, just to check in see where I was going to be. She had heard about everything that had happened that the other FO couldn't make it. And that they called me, they were going to be delayed, et cetera. She, she asked me, or she said, I, I've talked to dispatch. I've talked to headquarters. They all agree to remove you from the flying position okay. because, you're, because you're late. And that way you don't have to get in the seat and worry about any of that. I said, that's perfect. I don't mind. Okay. So even though I, I needed a couple of minutes just to cool down and, and get my thoughts together, mm-hmm. for that portion of the flight, the pushback taxi takeoff, I was just a safety observer. Oh, so you were in, just, I, I wasn't, in one of the jump seats? I was sitting in the jump seat, yeah. Oh, that must, be, that must have been a relief. It was a big relief, absolutely. Did you think that yeah. you might be flying it when you uh, got Wait, the- When I got the call, when, when I got the call and I saw that I was the flying FO, I thought that I might. And mm-hmm. even if I was, we do things slowly, we do things safely. I, w- I would have been okay because yeah. I've flown enough okay. now that I'm, I'm comfortable doing it. If it was my first flight, I, I probably would have been a little bit nervous for it, but- that we're, we're all professionals. We're all trained. We all know how to do this. We can get thrown in a situation and, and still like that FO that you were talking about going to yeah, Denver. We can, yeah, we're fine. And that's part of what our training is to get us ready for situations so like So you this. sit down, you're taking some deep breaths. You push back only about 15 minutes late. Is that what? No, we, we, we push back. It, let's see. The original scheduled departure time was 2.35. We push back at, I think it was 3.28. We pushed oh, back j- just about an hour, just about okay. an hour late. We were airborne by three forty-five, based on favorable winds. We actually landed in Taipei only about twenty minutes late. Wow! After so all of this, that's great. So if there were any connections, they probably made it. Twenty-minute delay is not mm-hmm. that that bad. So you're in the jump seat. So did you immediately go to bed, or yeah, try to go as to soon bed? as we hit eight, yeah, as soon as we hit eighteen thousand, the the other IRO and I. The, the way it works is we, we figure out the time, basically the midpoint of the flight, and that's where we do the, the crew change. So we figured out the time. We had about five hours in the bunk. I went up there. I got, I don't know, a couple hours of not great sleep. Just just because in a situation like this, if I knew that I'm on the trip, I can reset my sleep right. ahead of time. Where, where I'm tired to the point where my body clock is saying it's time to go to bed once you take off. This yeah. was 3, 3.30 in the afternoon, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. My adrenaline was through the roof because mm-hmm. of all this. I didn't yeah. sleep a lot. I, I tried, but no, I didn't sleep a lot. So halfway the seat, through, they wake you up. You yeah, wake up or they we wake were, you up? 
they wake us up. I, I set an alarm because I, I don't I don't like being startled by a phone ringing. Mm-hmm. So I, I set an alarm usually about 20 minutes prior to the wake up call. Okay. So I can start moving around and, and they give us 15 minutes before the changeover from the phone call to the changeover. Yeah. Put my contacts back in, brush my teeth, put some water on my hair, freshen up. So that yeah. way when I, when I get up there, I, I, I feel good and I'm fresh. Get some Is coffee. Was daytime get up and, outside? It was daytime the entire flight. We, we landed right after the sun went down. It was still okay. dusk. Yeah. A, a 13 hour flight eastbound or sorry, westbound at that time of day. During the summer, yeah, it was mm-hmm. it was daylight the entire time. Even though I didn't sleep all that much, and it was like midnight for my body clock when I got in the seat, I, I was refreshed. I was awake. I had coffee. The sun is up. My body, my, my body is confused, but I yeah. I was able to stay awake. We were just south of the Kamchatka Peninsula between mm-hmm. Alaska and Russia when I got in the seat, and then I was in the seat until about an hour prior to landing, and that's when we called the the FO and the captain who are going to do the actual arrival and landing. Okay. That's when they get back. That's when they get back in the seat. So they can start preparing for it, but we have everything set up. We have the approach set up. We have the landing data for them. We have the ATIS, which is the weather. We have everything set up so that all they have to do is get in the seat, brief it up and they're ready for the approach. So the crew that took off is also the crew that lands. Mm-hmm. And is that normal? The second, it is. Uh, yeah. Cause they, wow. they're the flying, they're the flying crew for okay. that flight and they get the second half of the rest so that they're they're sleeping for the five hours before mm. they have to do the approach and the landing so is that going to be the same for the return yeah yeah okay yeah, the the whole trip pairing if you're an iro or you're the flying fo yeah you, you'd stay in that position yeah wow all right i could talk to you about this all day but a few <laughs> so you you get to you have to explain the immigration and the testing situation in Taiwan because I am intrigued to see how, how that worked out. It's it's fascinating to see this because this is my first time in Asia since before COVID. I, I guess Guam technically is Asia, but there wasn't restrictions like this. As I mentioned, we had to get pre-departure COVID testing. This is one of the last places that our airline flies to in the world where you have to get that negative test before you before you go. I had the negative test in hand. We landed, and as we left the airplane, we had to put gloves on, latex gloves. And there's someone standing at the end of the jetway or or at the door, the the door, spraying our bags with disinfectant, spraying our gloves with disinfectant. We go off the jetway, get on a bus. The bus drives us to a crew customs because they don't want us intermingling with the passengers right now. We go through the special crew customs. Before we walk in the door, they sanitize our gloves again. We go through customs, passport stamps, get on another bus that drives us to the hotel. Mm. We get to the hotel and there's an, uh, another air crew that's leaving. We're not allowed to get off the bus until that air crew has left because okay. they don't want us mingling with people. We walk in, they spray our hands again. We go through a temperature scan. We filled out our meal request and times that we want the meals delivered to our room on the bus. They gave us this little printout with photos Mm. telling us what the food options were and then what what time we can order the food. Go through this process, get our key, drop our meal form off, go up to our hotel. We have this whole packet explaining what we're allowed to do, what we can't do. I am in this room for 36 hours. I have to take my take my temperature every 12 hours and log it on a Uh form. And then when we leave tomorrow, normally we all just meet in the lobby, wait for the bus. We get a phone call from the hotel telling us when we are allowed to leave the room to go down for the bus. It's like you're in jail. I have to, yeah, I have to turn in this form 
uh-huh. with my temperature check. And there's there's this whole process. I have to wear the gloves again and surgical mask as I leave. And there's a sticker on the window here that says, per the CDC, I can't open the window and I can't adjust my air conditioning in the, in the room. All of the outlets are covered by like a ceramic wrap. Everything is sanitized. And I get three meals a day delivered to my door. They put a <laughs> slip in the door that says that the meal is there. It sounds crazy. You know, so everyone who's thinking about all the glamorous trips that the pilots have, sometimes you have these also. Doug is in a nondescript. It's it's basically a really nice jail cell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 36 hours. I And you were you weren't kidding. I mean, you were telling me you were going stir crazy and you wanted to rewrite the episode. I'm like, dude, there's no re- need to rewrite the episode. But Doug did rewrite the episode because he has a lot of time on his hands. One, one more, one more thing I want to add that I, that I quickly learned when I got in last uh-huh. night, I, I was, I was actually a little bit excited about this because I'm watching Game of Thrones right now. And I was looking forward to just uh-huh. binging Game of Thrones for several hours. Are you serious? That's what Robbie's been H- doing for, for 48 hours straight. H- HBO Max does not work in Taipei. Oh my goodness. Sorry. It's just, I, get, I got a message. I got a message saying HBO has not been introduced in your region yet or something like that. So for the listeners, if you come to Taiwan and you're planning on watching HBO, download the episodes ahead of time onto your device so that you can watch them. Netflix works, though. It's Game of Thrones. Just don't download it because it is painful. I've had to... I'm I'm sitting doing my flight training lessons while Robbie's on the couch for the whole day binge watching (laughs) Watching Game of Thrones. I'm like, this is so bad. Anyway... (laughs) What's up with the Hello Kitty meal? I thought that was a joke. You sent me a picture of some utensils or something with Hello Kitty. When I landed yesterday, and we all know how much you love special liveries, oh, and I do love it. And, yeah, and quotes. So the Hello Kitty, the Eva Hello Kitty 777-300 was at the gate, and I was laughing about it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to tell Drew when I get in. And then with my meal last night, I get these cookies, these crackers. They're <laughs> It's made by a company called try goods uh-huh. and it says love hello kitty it's in a plastic bag yeah i showed the great. girls that last that's night awesome. and poppy was like daddy bring those home for me i love <laughs> hello kitty <laughs> well good thing it doesn't have a triple seven picture on it because you would have kept it <laughs> <laughs> all right anything else no i'm sure i'll have some fun getting home tomorrow <laughs> and we can talk about that later yeah all right doug so you're in asia for the first time since pre-covid which despite your hotel lockdown is a sign that Hopefully things are on the rebound in that region. According to announcement by Korean, it looks like that rebound is about to happen. Yeah, Korean and Lufthansa have announced that they're bringing back the A380. Lufthansa is planning to return the A380 to service in the summer of 2023, stating that they are, quote, reactivating the Airbus A380 in response to a steep rise in customer demand and the delayed delivery of ordered aircraft. They had 14 Airbus A380s, which were parked in Spain and France for long-term storage. Six of the aircraft have already been sold, with eight remaining in the fleet. Lufthansa's A380 seat, 509 passengers with eight seats in first, 78 in business, 52 in premium economy, and 371 in economy. And we'll talk about this a little bit, but Lufthansa is one of the last airlines in the world who has a true first class, which is a differentiated product between what what we know as business class, which a lot of airlines have done away with first, and, and they're just doing a business class product can we stop and just understand how many so 509 seats 
the economy cabin has 371 seats. You flew a huge, you flew a 777-300 to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. How many seats are on that whole plane? Granted, it's a three well, cabin. Or the, three, yeah. yeah, the, the 300 actually seats fewer than our high density 777-200s, which seat 362 people in a, in a very high density two class configuration. All right, so this seat's more than that, just an economy. That's crazy. With four classes. Yeah, four classes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that shows the size and scope of the A380. Now, coming back to Asia, where I'm sitting, Korean says it'll be deploying the A380 on two Asian routes, Seoul, Incheon to Hong Kong. That is great news in and of itself, that they are planning on running an A380 to Hong Kong. Hong Kong remains more locked down than what we are here. In right, but Taipei. still, they have enough traffic to run an A380. That's good news. Yeah. And then they're also going to run it from Seoul Inchon to Tokyo Narita by September. This will be on top of plans to operate the Super Jumbo on flights to New York in July. Drew, why are these airlines bringing it back? In Asia, traffic is coming back. And these are regional routes, but they're seeing so much traffic. Lufthansa, I, part of the reason we have new, additional news on this, that these A380s are probably going to be based in Munich because they want to offer a first class product from Munich. But Doug, I'm honestly thinking one of the reasons for them keeping the A380 on is they were expecting state-of-the-art 777-9s around this time or next year. That was probably in their master plan. That That's not foreseeable for the next couple of years. You have the A380 with a first-class product with a lot of seats, probably more than what they need. But right now we can use more seats. So I think it might be a stopgap measure until they get more A350s or the 777-9, whatever that could be. Lufthansa also ordered the 7-8, which is delayed. I think they were supposed to have it earlier this year, or even later, or late last year. And with the 777 delivery issues that we've talked about in the past, that's delayed. And yeah, they, they need the capacity. When we recorded yesterday, I asked the question, do you think Air France regrets the decision to retire Absolutely. the A380? Absolutely. Absolutely they, do. <laughs> they only had 10 or 12, I want to say, but even uh-huh. that... They needed that. They need that airplane right now. As we yeah. talked about, Atlantic Atlantic demand is through the roof right now. All the all the carriers are going through problems with traffic issues and resources, staffing, and all that. But you know, Lufthansa did make a bet, just like some of the airlines in the U.S., that things would be would come back quickly. They kept almost all of their employees, is my understanding. They kept yeah. their seven four seven eights, which was shocking. And now they're keeping the A380. So this this is really good news. And for those of us that want to fly in a Lufthansa A380, now we have time. Or a Korean Air A380. This is awesome. It's almost like, you know, we were writing the um, the obituary for the A380 mm-hmm. last year. And now it's resurgent. It's great news. Let's go from very big planes to very small planes. SkyWest, we talked about this briefly on the last episode. SkyWest files for a part... 135 charter certificate. So to refresh our memories, SkyWest will start a charter carrier converting about 20 of their 50 seat CRJ 200s, or as you refer to it, or as we refer to it now, (laughs) to 30 seats, which is the maximum for a part 135 carrier. So this classification also opens up the ability to hire pilots who have only 250 hours of experience versus 1,500. That's huge. That's a huge opportunity for these pilots and for SkyWest. 1,500 hours is what's required by the Part 121 carriers, which is what we work for. Those are scheduled carriers. And this also allows pilots who are over the maximum Part 121 age of 65. Doug, I got to tell you, so I just talked to 
uh, a pretty senior pilot at Mesa, a captain who's actually one of their chief pilots. And I mentioned this to him. He hadn't heard about, uh, about it, shockingly. Hmm. And I mentioned this this rule about being over 65. And he was like, that's a great idea. And I was like, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to have these very young pilots who are motivated and ready to go. And these very seasoned uh, pilots from these part 121 carriers and it's going to be a good dynamic good dynamic because they want to show people the ropes and here they're going to you know these young guys are going to learn from some of the best this carrier states that this may allow them to continue service to the 29 eas which is uh essential air service cities that it planned to drop now skywest planned to drop about 30 of these cities because it wasn't feasible because they didn't have the pilots to do it and these cities and i know this because i see this we used to have some of these cities these flights would go out with 15 20 people sometimes it's not feasible to operate with 50 seats hardly ever but you don't want to discontinue this critical service to these small cities there is a carrier already doing this and it looks like they're successful doug it's called jsx it's a part 135 carrier you reminded me that they fly to my hometown concord so i got to try and fly them there so they're using this model with a 30-seat Embraer 135 or a 145 aircraft. The airline's based in Dallas. It has a fleet of 23 aircraft. It has most of their operation in the West. And Matt, who was on the show, was ranting about how this couldn't work. I couldn't find any statistics on if they make a profit because they're not publicly listed. But they are expanding, which would tell yeah. me that they're doing okay, right? I would. Th- I, I was going to say that. <laughs> I would think if we see them expanding to Texas and the East Coast, that means that they're doing well and they see a market for that. Yeah, exactly. So they're tied in pretty well with the schedule carriers. They have investments from JetBlue, Qatar Airways. Their CEO was an executive at JetBlue. They have mileage partnerships with JetBlue and Delta. And check this out. They have an agreement to take on pilots from United's Aviate pilot training program, which this is a perfect fit. 250 hours. You can go from Aviate or Delta's Propel directly to one of these airlines. I think this is huge. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we talked about it last week, so we, we don't need to belabor the issue too much. But the fact that JSX is doing this makes me optimistic that it'll work for SkyWest. And I know when we talked to Matt about it yesterday, and that's one of the reasons why we put it in the show this week was Matt has a lot, of holes, a lot of holes to poke in it. We'll take care of it. We won't even talk with him about it next week. <laughs> but to paraphrase what he was saying is you you don't need uh, any sort of air service to a place like Salina, Kansas or Sioux City, Iowa. And I made the point, well, Houghton, Michigan is on this list. Mm. I lived in Houghton for eight years growing up. It's mm. in the top of the Upper Peninsula, way far north in Michigan, yeah. four hours hours from green bay the the closest otherwise served city with with air service michigan technological university is in houghton it is a big research institution very good school yeah a city like houghton needs that air traffic to be able to get these professors in to be able to get the students in because otherwise they're they're gonna find green bay and drive through the north woods of Wisconsin and northern Michigan on two-lane highways for four mm-hmm. hours to get to Houghton, Michigan to be able to attend and teach at the school. That That is the example of why a lot of these cities have that service. Yeah, and I mentioned on the last episode, it's not just about the service. It's about bringing aviation jobs into these communities. You know, I worked at Concord Airport. I was fueling planes, pushing planes around. I was a line serviceman. And that was probably in part due to 
a little airline. Um, it was, well, it wasn't little, it was PSA. Mm-hmm. They had service in there and that brought in dollars that allowed me to do some services for that carrier. Cause we worked, I worked for a FBO, which is a fixed base operator. So we, you know, we worked on the little Cessnas, but we also helped PS PSA with some of the services that they needed, like the fueling, the catering and all that stuff. So it's a lot more than just a flight. It, it, it brings aviation to these cities and we should encourage that because we're all about making sure everyone has access to aviation jobs. Yeah. And, and you made the comment when we recorded yesterday with Matt too, that the pandemic has completely changed the landscape of our country from a remote work standpoint. Right. We have a lot of people moving to these small Midwest towns. If maybe that's where they're from or the cost of living is lower, or they just like the country and they're still working for companies that they need to travel to, so right. to be able to have that and not have to drive from Hayes, Kansas, four hours to Denver to get on the closest flight. Oh, yeah. I, I think that I, I think that as long as we can continue the pilots operating these, we yeah. will continue to see the need and the use for a lot of these these routes. Well, yeah, Matt was downplaying these cities, but just read the news reports. People are leaving San Francisco, New York City, Los Angeles in droves because it's so expensive. And now after COVID, all these opportunities to work from home have arisen. Housing prices in Boise, Idaho, guess what? They're going up. Housing prices in these small cities, they're going up. It's because people are moving there. So you're going to have a growth in traffic to these small cities. All right, let's do another go around. We're going to go through this very quickly because we've been belaboring this issue for the last couple of months, but we do have some updates on this drama known as the Spirit Jet Blue Spirit Frontier merger. <laughs> Spirit, Spirit and its proxy advisor, ICC, are still supporting the Frontier merger bid versus JetBlue as of today. The shareholder vote was just delayed from yesterday to July 8th. What this means, what the, the proxy basically is, shareholders who own stock in this company are allowed to vote for what they want. They vote by proxy, meaning that they are not there in person. They give their proxy to a company, which happens to be ICC. That's who Spirit hired. Essentially, what this means is by delaying it to July 8th, JetBlue somehow, Drew, is still in the mix per the Spirit board. We won't give it even up. Though they're, even though they're supporting the, the Frontier merger. Mm-hmm. Frontier CEO Barry Biffle maintains that a tie-up with Spirit would be better for the consumer. Ted Christie, CEO of Spirit, said, quote, while we have engaged with JetBlue for weeks and provided them with a level playing field on which they can make their best offer, unfortunately, they now have turned to scurrilous rhetoric instead of a substantive improvement in their offer. That's a lot of big words from That's a, a lot of big, big words. CEO. <laughs> JetBlue is now offering a $400 million reverse breakup fee from its previous $350 million offer, from its previous $250 million offer. Mm-hmm. The proposal also now offers $2.50 per share dividend, rising from its earlier offer of $1.50 a share. It just seems like a bidding war. Why can't Frontier and Spirit just get on with Emerging it piece. so that JetBlue and Alaska can get on with it and we can move on to other topics? Yeah, I, I'm sure whatever company that you work for out there for the listeners, you've seen that corporate video where you're not supposed to continuously ask someone for a date because eventually it becomes harassment. JetBlue, <laughs> that's you right now. JetBlue, that is totally you. Cut it out or we're going to send you to HR. <laughs> but Doug, I'm t- I mean, we we may fall, fall flat on our face, but now for probably over a year, we've been talking... 
I should pro- since we can go back and look, we talked about a JetBlue Alaska merger, you know, in our predictions for the future. It was like episode five or six. Yeah, it was early on. And JetBlue needs to give it up. Alaska would be a great partner. Go fight for them. And it's going to be a much more, what's the word, consistent product between JetBlue and Alaska. And just let Spirit and Frontier be. Having said that, Doug, this is going to create the fifth largest airline in the country. (laughs) No matter which way it goes, I think it's going to be Frontier Spirit and it'll take on the Frontier legacy. So unfortunately, Matt ranted for about 15 minutes about non-revving on Frontier. You guys are going to have to listen to that. So we will have a redo of that. But Frontier could be huge and it could be a real contender in air travel in the US. It won't be small, you know, it won't be these low fare. Well, it may still be low fare, but it'll be competing yeah. with Southwest, United, American, and Delta. It'll it'll bring air travel to the masses, which is what we need right now with which is a good thing. The, yeah, with the with the rising airfares and everything. Yeah. All right. Well for our last segment we have to do a go around on our discussion last week about why people choose an airline. Sorry to the listeners that we keep in quotes, beating up this pattern on this topic. <laughs> we promise that this will be the last of it until it isn't, and we come back to it again. <laughs> until it isn't. Last week, we shared a poll from our buddy and contributor, Greg, which came back showing the price was the main factor in choosing what to buy, even from ad geeks. Yeah, Doug, that was really disappointing. So we asked the question, and I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking I'm just digging for the answer that I want, which I'm not going to get, right? <laughs> <laughs> We asked a question, if the price was the same, how would you decide which flight to take? Doug, please tell me they chose aircraft or passenger experience this time. I can tell you that, but that's not that's <laughs> not what they chose. Oh, Greg man. put out the poll. He said, follow up to my previous poll. Assuming the price is the same, do you buy your ticket based on, he said, airline, PAXX, which is the C, class, perks, etc., schedule or type of aircraft, even with all things being the same, Schedule one at 37%. Type of aircraft was second at 24. PaxX was in, in a third place position at 21%. Mm. And then airline, choice of airline was 18%. So the AvGeeks just want to get from point A to point B. So why are you even an AvGeek if you don't care? <laughs> Easy there. All right. Yeah. <laughs> let's, go through, let's go through the comments. This is from Aaron. He said, I selected schedule, but it depends. If it's a 12-hour overnight flight, I'd take a newer plane, he said A350, A380, or 787, with a higher pressurization over other options, even if the schedule is not optimal. And Drew, this does play into what you were saying, that that Boeing and now Airbus pitched these new airplanes as having lower pressure altitudes, more moisture in the cabin, and Mm -hmm. you arrive more refreshed. So this is someone saying, yeah, they they came out with this product, they were pitching this product, and all things equal, this is what I'm going to do. So that what you're telling me is there is hope. There is hope. Small. <laughs> M- minimal amounts of hope. Minimal amount. And he is navigate, but he is he is appreciating that the A three fifty and the seven eight seven have uh better air conditioning and humidity on board. That's awesome. All right. Henry Griffiths, uh also on Twitter, he says it depends on what your definition of price being the same is. Are you calculating the benefits of airline slash alliance elite status or the right credit card? check bag, extra legroom seat, etc. that one must or would otherwise want to buy. He continues, for me, I stick with the airline I'm loyal to, particularly for the extra legroom seat plus possible upgrade, and I'm continuing to add to the meter for status next year. 
But what about the benefits you can't put a price on, such as priority, phone line in case of uh, ops? So I guess he would have been part of the 18% that chose airline. Yeah, and that, that would have been me as well. All things equal, I, yeah. I would have stuck with the airline that I had the status on. And we've talked about that several times over the years and how that, that benefits elite flyers. Nicole, well, that's Dale. That's your dad. Your dad stays mm-hmm. with his preferred carrier no matter what. Yeah, and even they, if they treat him well. They, even they if treat him well in leaving, ops. Yeah, they treat him really well. And even if that means leaving your mom at uh, Sacramento to uh, fend fly for a different her. airline <laughs> <laughs> to fly on Southwest <laughs> while he's in the Sky Club. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nicole said, "I went airline on this poll in the sense of redemption potential. If I'm closer to achieving a mileage award on one airline versus another, and the price is equal, I'll pick the carrier where my expenditure would soonest convert to free." And she put in parentheses, "confirmed travel." Okay. I think that's that's valid. Very yeah. reasonable. All right, last one. Oh, wait, no, uh, we have two more. So this is uh, from Not Connor. He is at Connor the Lawner, I think. Uh, he said, I almost voted for aircraft type until I realized I'd rather sit up front on a three-class narrow body than in economy on a wide body. You know, Tyler always says we love to preach about wide bodies, but whenever there's a Singapore Airlines 737, we can get first class on. <laughs> we can ditch that A330 in a heartbeat. And that's yeah. what he's saying. Harris said, Hi guys, I wanted to comment on the most recent podcast regarding the poll about choosing a flight. I traveled to New York from my home in Atlanta. I sometimes go out of my way to fly to JFK instead of LaGuardia so I can fly on a wide body window seat towards the back. It beats a 737 or A320 for an av geekiness. Mm-hmm. My wife often travels to Boston for work and paid for his class. She chooses flights based on schedule alone. Though dumb luck or universe mocking my aviation love, this week mm-hmm. she sat in a Delta One Seven Sixty Seven on the way up, and will fly back on a Delta One Suite A Three Thirty Nine Hundred <laughs> back. Maybe I should just take the train. So she just gets this by I'm chance. Austin to, to Atlanta <laughs> on a wide body, and all the way back she gets the brand new Delta One Suites. Well, this I, whole I would, thing I would say though, mm-hmm. that is a waste of a two-hour flight. Though I, I and we've talked about this. I hate right this class seat on a domestic wide body that is only like two hours and you land and you're like, can I just get like 10 more hours here, please? Right. (laughs) So when you're on the ground and they're like, Oh, bad news, everyone, there's a one hour flow delay to Boston. You're, you're the one who's like, yes, (laughs) you can watch this whole movie now. (laughs) But Doug, honestly, you used to do this. You used to hack the, the company travel portal to get whatever, what you wanted. Right. you, you dug around and you got the the wide bodies Hack and the company portal. <laughs> I don't know. And it was really hacking because you show it was so archaic. It had airlines that didn't exist, but you know you were able to get your wide body transcons, mm-hmm. you know, for the same price or close to. We want to think that Av geeks would choose the experience over price and schedule, but when it comes down to it, most of us just want to get there cheap and fast. Drew, I, I think that's how we answer this. Unfortunately, for you, I guess. I, I say cheap and fast yeah <laughs> no i don't want to get there cheap and fast i mean no no i'm, I'm saying that, that the listeners that's what the listeners. oh that's what the listeners. okay so yeah have you already answered that question what's your answer so your answer was to stick with the airline stick with the airline yeah yeah i'm not i don't have miles because i'm a non-rev usually for me it would be a combination of uh passenger experience and price and I have done that, you know, coming back from uh, Sri Lanka pre-COVID, I used to fly in some really good deals and I would choose the carriers that had the best product. 
but it was also price because it was good deals. So it was a combination of airline and price. When do you go back, by the way? When are you fly- are you flying back? Do you have any idea? <laughs> yeah, 24, uh, 26, 26 hours from now. I, I get the call to go to the bu- the bus in tw- 24 hours from now. That's a long time, Doug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 next, the next thing on my itinerary on, on this this cruise that I'm on is my breakfast arrives in an hour. I'll get the slip through the door. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I slept like four hours last night. I was exhausted when I landed. I slept about four hours. I was hoping to sleep longer than that, but my body clock is in California right now telling me yeah. it's the middle of the afternoon. Even though I was exhausted, I couldn't sleep through that. And now I need to, I need to get enough sleep before the flight tomorrow. I need to figure out a way to be tired when we take off in the morning because I'm going to, go to sleep right away. Right. And I also don't want to arrive in San Francisco on Sunday dead tired so that when I get home, I'm dead to the world with the kids and Marissa on a holiday weekend. And then I'm on reserve again on the 4th and the 5th, and it's looking like oh. I'll probably get another trip. Oh, no. On, and you were trying to avoid that. The op- based on the open time, yeah. We probably need to create an app for pilots and flight attendants so they can figure out when they should sleep based on their schedule. Is there such a thing? I, I'm sure there probably is. I, I haven't played around with that. No. Yeah. All right. So Doug has so much time on his hands. He's already started the next episode, even though we're taping the previous episode. <laughs> yeah. um, you can start doing your taxes early, I guess, for 2023. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, to our listeners, most of you are wrong on choosing price and schedule over experience. Kidding. Kind of. But we still love you. This podcast is your show, so go on our website, Next Trip Network, and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. Please tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. 